0: Hey, Sound Opinions listeners, if you support us on Patreon, you get to listen to our podcast ad-free on Patreon.
1: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and this week, we're highlighting some of our favorite
0: albums of the year so far. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. I'm going to start us off. We're going sort of in reverse order in our top tens. We're not able to play all those records. They're they're on our website. You can find uh, find our top tens uh, on soundopinions.org. Even though we're only uh, a week into
1: July and we have a lot of 2022 to come, uh, these are the albums we're
0: loving so far at this point. Who knows where these records are going to end up yeah. uh, at the end of the year. But for now, this is the stuff that's uh, really moving us. Um, I wanted to shout out to The Smile as uh, my number seven record so far. Uh, a light for attracting attention. Who are the smile? Well, you probably have heard of most of these guys. Uh, They're in the band Radiohead. Um, Mm. And uh, Tom York, Johnny Greenwood. Interestingly enough, uh, uh, the members of Radiohead have all done their various solo projects outside of the Radiohead uh, umbrella. But this is the first time that York and Greenwood have worked together outside of the context of Radiohead. They've also brought in uh, Nigel Godrich, Uh, as the producer, you know, who does all the Radiohead albums. So in in essence, we're seeing um, the the core of the Radiohead team uh, working on this record. The wild card is the drummer, Skinner, Mm. uh, who's in many fine bands in the UK, uh, most notably Sons of Kemet, one of those groundbreaking jazz uh, ensembles uh, in that country. And uh, they've also brought in the London Contemporary Orchestra you know, just for a oh, little them. a little sweetening uh, and it, it really is a wonderful record from from that standpoint, the combination of sounds. I mean, you know, if this record had come out as the radio as the sequel to a moon shaped pool, the last radiohead record mm. in 2016, everybody would said, "Yeah, cool. yeah it sounds like radiohead. It's been a long time since we had a radiohead record. it has and You know, at the same time, I think Radiohead has sort of splintered off into these little uh, subcultures in terms of the kind of stuff that they're interested in. But here, I think, what we're seeing is a song-oriented project, a more song-oriented project than perhaps we're even used to from, from even Radiohead itself. And that's what I like about it. You know the usual dystopian nightmares from Tom York. You know he's yeah. he, a lot of these songs. In fact, were were sort of percolating in the Radiohead universe for years, if not a decade or more. Uh, and yet, finding beauty in amid that those nightmare scenarios, the vulnerability, uneasiness mixed with accessibility. Mm. I mean, that's kind of Radiohead's thing, right? That's what they're doing really well on this record. There's lots of piano, fingerpicked guitars from Greenwood. Very nuanced rhythm patterns. Skinner is a really, really good drummer. Phil Selway is a very, very good drummer. Excellent drummer. drummer. But he, Skinner sets the tone here. If if you listen to a track called The Opposite, you'll hear this Afrobeat feel that uh, a lot of Radiohead songs don't have. And that's helping a lot in terms of expanding the sound. to play a track from the Smiles debut record a light for attracting attention here's a track called You Will Never Work in Television Again on Sound <laughs> Opinions That is, you will never work in television again, Jim (laughs) (laughs) DeRogatis. Well, that's true. We had
1: a television foray some years ago and haven't done much since. I'm glad uh, you brought some light to that record by The Smile, Greg, because it's one we haven't reviewed so far, showing up at number seven on uh, your top ten list. I'm going to go to number six on mine with uh, another record we haven't reviewed yet, Havasu. By uh, Pedro the Lion. We did, however, sit down a while back at uh, one of the Goose Island events for a live taping and interview with David Bazan and the band. And that's going to be an extraordinary listen, Mm -hmm. let me tell you. Um, You know, nobody knows everything not even you, all right? Um, I I had listened to Pedro the Lion uh, two or three times over the years as they put out their latest recordings. I think there's six Pedro records at this point. There's five David Bazan recordings. And you know, every once in a while, a trusted set of ears says, uh, you know, you need to reassess here, Jim, <laughs> right? Or Greg, right? And, uh, and Andrew Gill, our producer, said, Jim, You've got to pay some more attention to Pedro the Lion. And Andrew was absolutely right. Uh, instantly becoming one of my favorite live tapings ever. One of my favorite songs ever. I mean, like literally top 10 is on this new Sue album by Pedro the Lion. Uh, it's called First Drum Set. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's about a kid whose life is literally saved by playing the drums. It resonates with me, let me tell you, (laughs) right? I wonder why. You know, discovering the drums and playing along to Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin Records in my mom's basement, her china cabinet above, uh, rattling and her never minding. I mean, her line was always, honey, at least I know where you are. (laughs) David. David is a master, novelistic in the tiny details, the literary details he captures, uh, primarily from his own life. Havasu is about uh, a move by the family that was disruptive and anxiety-causing for him when he was, uh, you know, coming of age. Uh, The last album uh, was called Phoenix. Uh, he, He is writing this Bildungsroman novel about his upbringing in the form of one album at a time with these beautiful, beautiful, super melodic songs charting his discoveries. And this is fascinating because... He was raised in a very strict evangelical upbringing, and you know part of it is him coming to terms with art uh, teaching him other ways, and being more empathetic and tolerant of people than some of the evangelicals he was going to church with. Yeah. You know, he didn't hate people of color or or LGBTQ plus people, and he had curiosity about the broader world, and he thought that was the message of uh, the God that he worshipped. And, and you know, these heavy ideas are not delivered in a preachy way. They're delivered in the way that a great novelist or short story writer draws these little details from uh, their lives and and helps us recognize ourselves mm-hmm. you know and and the message comes home she's like yeah I I, I like this guy. I understand this yeah, guy. Right. He knows me, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, so thank you, Andrew, for really opening my ears. It's not that I didn't like Pedro the Lion before. Uh, you know, his voice, uh, super emotive, can, can be a little bit much at first, and then you realize why he sings the way he does because mm-hmm. he's dealing with these heavy uh concepts at eo you know, as much as i love first drum set i love every song on this record and 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 you will too when you hear pedro the lion play live on sound opinions That's one of the greatest songs ever. First drum
0: set, Pedro the line. It's like he wrote that for me. Thank you, David. Well, it's a great song, and uh, you know when he did it live, I was so happy. he Did that. Uh, yeah. It was a very emotional moment for everybody in the room. I think it was a powerful song. You know that that everything about it, uh, every line resonated. Uh, speaking of emo, I gotta say Saba, Chicago artist. There's a little bit of emo in his new record. Few good things. It's my number six record uh, of the year so far. Uh, I, I think Saba's work is extraordinary over the years. He's become one of the, the leading lights of the hip-hop scene, not just in Chicago, but I think nationally, as a rapper, a songwriter, a producer, and a performer. Uh, what, a, what a career he sh- he's carved out in his short life. Um, 2018, he, he wrote this incredibly moving record, Care For Me, which was basically a concept album, a tribute to his late cousin and fellow Pivot Gang member, uh, John Walt Pivot Gang is is uh, Saba's crew in in Chicago. Uh, they're they're yeah. a collective, a hip hop collective that he has been part of since since he was a teenager. Um, it was a very powerful, moving record, and I think on few good things, he wanted to sort of lift that heaviness and be, you know make a record that was breezier, bouncier, more pop oriented. And if you just listen to this record on the surface the hooks are coming at you one after another you want to dance to this record it feels light it feels breezy and then you listen to the lyrics and you realize Saba's dealing with some stuff here he's he's talking about this whole issue especially when you're a young african-american man you've made it but you're always feeling like you have to look over your shoulder there's not quite the sense of security that maybe you get as in in mainstream society Mm -hmm. mainstream white society in our country uh, and it's a very powerful point that he doesn't it's not about complaining or self-pity. It's just the reality. This primal fear in a song like Fearmonger is that if you've never had it, you can never feel secure. You're always feeling like, you know, where's the next paycheck gonna come from? Will I have enough money to support myself, my family, uh, my friends? Uh, A a song like uh, Soldier, he talks about fatherhood, not letting your guard down so that you can be there for your child when your child grows up. Uh, These are genuine fears and anxieties that, you know, uh, going through as somebody who grew around and and was able to survive uh, some of the gang culture that was in his neighborhood when he was a kid. Uh, and, and grew beyond it, really you really can 't leave that behind. We hear some of the same anxieties peeking through the Kendrick Lamar record. you know those yep. kind of things that then never quite leave you and the title track, I think, really kind of ties it together. Uh, glass half full, the other half was the emptiness. We turned a bunch of nothing to abundance. So he, he understands where he's come and, and what, he's, what, what, he's, uh, what he's gone beyond, but at the same time not being able to get beyond it uh, completely. Here's a title track from Few Good Things, my number six record uh, from Saba on Sound of The following days, I grew my dress like I was part of Jamaican. No, the journey waits, and it's a lonely one. They'll call them
2: crazy. Because believing in yourself not often celebrated. People projecting a mirror image that is merely hatred. The fear faces is the same as me and Pierre Jason. All truth, you know, I don't lie. Like secure shaking. Every day, same people show their colors. I assume they true. Bad things coming through, good things coming soon.
0: That is Saba with Few Good Things, my number six album of the year so far. Jim, what do you got next? I'm at uh, number five, Greg.
1: Everything Was Beautiful by Spiritualized. The ninth studio album by uh, Jason Pierce. Um, you know, I think when there's a band that you've been fans of for a very long time, at least... I've seen this for you and me. It's like almost like we've told that story. We've thought about that music. We've played that music, championed it. Uh, you know, there's no surprises left, and there's never a shortage of music to uh, to cover uh, on this show or, or anywhere else. Um, you know, and I was sleeping on everything. Was beautiful. Uh, another mm-hmm. Jason Pierce record, ninth of his career, mind you. I'd been fans of Spaceman Three, his first band in the '80s. I've been fans of everything Spiritualized did. Uh, all through the 90s. And then sometimes you realize, wait a minute, I may be overlooking uh, something great here. And there are still plenty of listeners, I'm sure, who don't even know this band. That incredible, hypnotic, slow, insinuating, super psychedelic uh, music. Uh, Rarely has a band been better titled, spiritualized. Mm, There is a journey toward the white light spiritual element to this psychedelia. Over the course of previous records, uh, Jason Pierce has experimented with bringing in gospel, with bringing in free jazz like Coltrane, with bringing in even little touches of country. I would say the album to start with will always be Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space. And this album may be number two Hmm. Um, in the opening track, Always Together With You. Pierce uh, intentionally throws back to his masterpiece, Ladies and Gentlemen, We're Floating in Space, in the way it has this flowering opening that starts very simple and then builds, even the voice in the distance, whispering, uh, inviting us into this recording. We get uh, all of the elements that he has visited in the past, but in one place there was the spiritualized gospel record, there's a spiritualized uh, free jazz record. We're experiencing all the different experiments he's done, you know, like everybody else, locked up during COVID, feeling lonely, feeling isolated and bored, and uh, went in the studio and played almost all the instruments himself and made uh, this fantastic seven-song record. I love the way Let It Bleed for Iggy Uh, name checks both Iggy Pop and The Stones, of course, and and brings in this uh, heavy blues element. I I love Crazy, the country song, but I got to play that opening track, Always Together With You. Uh, If you think you've heard everything spiritualized can do, well, maybe you have, but here it is in one place, and man, it still sounds great. Always Together With You from Spiritualized's ninth album, Everything Was Beautiful. spiritualized always together with you album number nine everything was beautiful
0: good stuff jim uh, glad to hear jason pierce is still uh you know producing at a high level
1: yeah and, and devoted you know i mean that's a long career three decades of uh,
0: space rock he's, he's stunning when we return more of our favorite albums of 2022 so far that's in a minute on sound opinions And
1: we are back. This week, we're sharing the albums that we've loved through the first half of this year.
0: Mr. Cott, you are up next. Jim, uh, sometimes you just got to get up and dance, you know, and uh, this is the record that's doing it for me right now. K-O-G and Zongo Brigade. Zone six, a G-G. K.O.G. Kweku Saki of Ghana, uh, now living in, uh, in England, is the driving force here it's a high energy group the Zongo Brigade but KOG is the mastermind and I guess the best way to describe it is sort of Afro fusion music this is mm. a kaleidoscope of different sounds from a couple of continents at least uh, we're talking about uh, indigenous music the stuff that he grew up with in Ghana as well as West Africa hip-hop a little bit of, a lot of jazz actually rock reggae funk It's a pretty amazing combo of sounds, but it's all song-oriented and all built around the idea that dancing is a good thing. It's a great way of overcoming uh, all we've had to go through in terms of struggle. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, in Ghana, they've had their issues. Uh, When I talk about some of the issues that he's talking about, he's talking about immigration, which is a a gigantic issue in England right now, obviously. And uh, there's a song called Immigration, on this record that addresses it directly an incredible vocal uh, tour de force for him. A song like Huali, where he talks about the path of the indigenous uh, people that he grew up with in, in Africa, urging his maker to give him the power uh, and strength to succeed, to, to go beyond these roots. He's basically talking about his journey from Africa to England and what it took to, to get where he is well, today. And,
1: and the broader implications, Greg. A lot of political science uh, writing lately has looked at the legacy of imperialism from the Victorian era right. all the way through Churchill. And England is really dealing with this now in a way that maybe we
0: aren't in the United States. Well, and Kog's taking it head on here what it meant to grow up in Africa and be around this amazing rhythmic music that he is now updating in his new home with this amazing band of British uh, musicians. It's a melting pot of music, and I think it's uh, expressive, just the very idea of it. You know, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Sly and the Family Stone, Mm. just looking at that band on a stage performing you get a vision of this is what America could be in its best moments. And I think KOG is envisioning the same kind of thing with Zongo Brigade and this, this debut record. Here's a track from it. It's called Ebenezer from KOG and Zongo Brigade on Sound Opinions, my number five record of the year so far.
2: Africa leader, Africa leader, the they want to know. Give me the shelter, give me the water, the they want to go. See the corruption, no more employment.
0: That is Ebenezer from KOG and Zongo Brigade's Zone 6 Ijiji. That is my number five record of the year so far. And if you want to dance, this is a record for you. Well, good for you mastering those (laughs) pronunciations. I went
1: back and listened to our review of Jack White's uh, latest solo album, the fourth of his career, Fear of the Dawn. And I remain uh, more convinced than ever that you were just wrong, wrong, (laughs) wrong about this record. Um I, I I said when we reviewed it that it seems like a lot of people have wanted Jack White to stay in the narrow lane, the brilliant lane, uh that he uh, uh paved with uh the white stripes, right? All right, garage rock take on the blues coming out of Detroit. Great stuff, right? Uh I've liked some of the other excursions more than others, rack and tours I can take and leave, dead weather I loved. Um, but Jack, as a solo artist, I think has really uh, tried to experiment and to redefine himself and to talk about, I am not only what you think I am. You know, the uh, new album, Fear of the Dawn, ends with this track, Shedding My Velvet. It's about deer uh, deer <laughs> uh, getting rid of their antlers and, and growing new ones and regeneration. I think that's uh, the theme of his entire career, uh, Fear of the Dawn, what's that about? There's a track called Eosophobia, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, a morbid fear of the dawn and daylight. The sun goes
2: up, the sun goes down.
1: We were very proud that jack <laughs> taught you a new word yeah, I, mean, uh, I was happy to learn the new word you were happy to l- uh, learn the new word but you didn't like some of the experimentation um, you you were fond of the more predictable uh very Jack White tracks, but just to annoy you, I am gonna play <laughs> "Heidi Ho," which was a really I I, I loved it. You disliked it. Uh, it's a reinterpretation of "Cab Calloway" uh, by Jack White, and as if that wasn't enough, he's got a Q-tip of Tribe called quest, you know? Is it 100% successful? No. But I love the fact that an artist, uh, two and a half, maybe three decades, if you count Goober and the piece, into his career uh, is still surprising me. I I love that Jack White surprises me. So, uh, here's Heidi Ho in Tribute to Greg Cott by Jack White.
2: (laughs) I'm with with me. Has a nicotine, it's a scream and it's free. Have it in your food, you can have it with your tea as you're thinking and you're pondering and wonder what it be. Hidey hidey ho is a colorway vibe where you're and you're clean and you ain't taking no job Speaking of job, I think I was on a label that was a long time ago, that was a fable. Hidey hidey ho, when you're looking in your mirror, when you're fit and legit and it can't
1: Jack White channeling Cab Calloway. I mean, I said, you know, I think he's going to be 80 and still surprising me.
0: Well, you know, it, I will say surprising. It's, it's, there's no doubt about that. I, I o- always like artists who take chances. Jack's taking a big chance on this record. It just doesn't doing it for me, but I'm glad you dig it. Uh, next, I want to go to an artist named Charlotte Adajari. She's an incredible French-born Belgian Caribbean musician who is an eclectic. I mean, she's the kind of music that she's making is again much like the K.O.G. record I just uh, highlighted my as my number five record. This my number three record. Um, It is in a similar vein. Her collaborator on this uh, record is a uh, gentleman by the name of Bolas Pupul. And they together, they have been working together uh, for a series of EPs and they've contributed to a film soundtrack. Uh, uh, Charlotte has has toured with Nana Cherry. She's kind of a kindred spirit. Mm. We have talked a lot about um, artists uh, who are sort of, you know, straddling continents and, and, and genres. And, and she is one of them. Uh, this record is just rife with political commentary, talking about issues like racism, misogyny, xenophobia. But, you know, right away you're thinking, oh my God, my brow is already furrowing just thinking about what this record could possibly be. She's wagging her finger and she's preaching at us about all these, uh, these huge political and social issues. But that's not the way the record sounds at all. Uh, in fact, there's an incredible sense of humor Uh, here. This this music is art pop, avant-garde dance music. Uh, There's a a clear David Byrne influence in some of the music. And, you know, I'm talking about mid-period talking heads that stopped making Mm. sense era where David Byrne was combining all these, all these musical styles. Very catchy, danceable songs with an adventurous twist. You're, 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 rarely going to find protest music, and I would call this a protest album in in some ways. You're rarely going to find protest music that sounds this playful. The juxtapositions, the way lyrically and musically, are often humorous. There's a tongue-in-cheek aspect to this record that really redeems it from those who would say, oh, it's it's just a, a preachy protest record, and it really has no merit because she's preaching to the converted. She's not doing that at all. There's a subversive quality to it. And as I said, the music combining all these different elements uh, and influences is is undeniably catchy. Like you're going to be listening to these songs and you're saying mm. to yourself, okay, I can get up and dance to this uh, as well as listen to it and get something out of it. The, the album is called Topical Dancer. Really, a really good title for the record because it really is a topical record and you're dancing to it at the same time. Uh, here's a track from this uh, album from this great uh, duo, Algeri and Poupoul, called you like Thank You on Sound Band. Opinions.
2: Couldn't have done this without you and your opinion. With your vision, I count my blessings oh, thank you.
0: Yes, I prefer my first EP too oh, Yeah, you. maybe I should make it less complex oh, thank you. Two projects, one artist, jeez oh,
2: What the hell was I even thinking?
0: That is Thank You from Charlotte Adagiri and Bolas Poupoul from the Topical Dancer record, my number three record of, of the year so far. One thing I want to add, Jim, about this record, a lot of this record is based on um, the fact that these are uh, two people from, you know, of, of Caribbean origin uh, living in France. Uh, a lot of it's based on their daily experiences, just living yeah. in France and you sort of having some of this... Some people, the well-meaning xenophobe, you know. Mm. Uh, hey, you're really welcome here. We, where? Why don't you? When are you going to go back to your country? As long well, as you this live is over my country, there. right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Well, you know, I think, uh, Greg, that globe-spanning uh, perspective that Charlotte Adegiri, uh brought to Topical Dancer. I heard it. You heard it as well when we both reviewed the latest album. Uh, by Mitsky, the sixth of her career. Um, you know, Mitsky, what a fascinating artist. Uh, Mitsky. Miyawaki was born in Japan. J- Japanese was her first language. Japanese mom, uh, dad was a white American working for the State Department. In her first uh, formative years, she lived not only in Japan, but Malaysia, China, Turkey, the Czech Republic, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, much loved as an indie artist, uh, breaking down boundaries, uh, not only global, but musical as well, and bringing in uh, elements of Japanese buto dancing and theater and uh, really blowing minds on her last tour, after which she said, I'm retiring. Mm -hmm. Then the pandemic struck, uh, and Mitsuki was in need of catharsis, and artist that she is, she turned to music. The joy of this record, Laurel Hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and I think I think that has several meanings. Uh, to hell with all the praise. I, I'm making art to please myself. Uh, you know the the laurels that grow in in nature and and it can be prickly but beautiful. And also Laurel Canyon, you know, much uh, much being championed again mm-hmm. by a new generation of uh, sad indie girls, which is right. sometimes a, a uh, title thrown at Mitski. I don't think she deserves. The joy of Laurel Hell is that while the lyrics are very dark, she is talking about anxiety. She is questioning herself. She is ambiguous about her desire to create, although she can't imagine not creating, uh, relationships. Wow. Don't even go there. She wants to cry at the start, (laughs) just meeting somebody that she may wind up with. Um, the joy of the record is that combination of dark themes and very sweet melodies, sun and and moon, uh, sweet and sour. Because in many ways, her inspiration and that of her frequent collaborator uh, Patrick uh, Highland uh, is coming from '80s synth pop. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you talked about uh, dance records earlier. You know, this is a dance record. This is one to be very happy about. Then you're going to listen to the lyrics as you're dancing, and you're going to wonder, you know, I've had many of these feelings of anxiety, and and what's the point of continuing uh, during the COVID uh, dreadfulness of the last couple of years? All of this is getting voiced uh, by Mitski in Laurel Hell, and it's just a fantastic album. We both loved it when we reviewed it. Let me play a track uh, from it. That's Our Lamp. I'm going to go right to the end. That's Our Lamp from Mitski's Laurel Hell.
2: It shines like a big moon
0: That's Our Lamp by Mitski. Laurel Hell is the album. We both loved it. Yeah, that Mitski record is great, man. What a, what a year it's been so far, especially for women artists. Uh, yes. Once again, dominating our uh, separate polls here. Uh, coming up, we're going to reveal our top albums of the year so far. That's In A Minute on Sound Opinions. And we are back.
1: This week, we're sharing what we think are the best albums of 2022 so
0: far. Mr. Cott, you're at number two. What is it? I love the Sasami record, Squeeze. The second album from this uh, Los Angeles-based artist, Sasami Ashworth, classically trained multi-instrumentalist and producer, she does it all. The album cover art is immediately arresting. For people who pay attention to album covers anymore, I don't even even know if people notice those things anymore. But the image of this supernatural creature, uh, you know, is a big part of Japanese folklore with the body of a snake and the head of a woman. This mythological sort of uh, concoction here is something that drives this album. You know, there are two sides to this person. Duality. Uh, Duality, the whole idea of being with a partner can feel like that sometimes, this disconnect. And and this is what this album's about. The things with our partner are in disarray. There's two entities who are drawn to each other, but they can't connect. The parts just don't fit. And the music reflects that content. The dissonance, the violence in this music was almost... Stunning to me when I first heard it, I was not expecting this level of intensity. Yeah, you know, you're expecting a certain, you know, classically trained artist. It's going to be kind of a, a delicate record. I would make comparisons to, you know, some of the more extreme metal that you're going to hear in parts of this record. In interviews, she's talked about listening to this kind of darker, edged, heavy music and incorporating it into her. Of vocabulary as a musician and a producer. In addition, there's some industrial elements as well. Yeah. So there's this harder edge side combined with a more sensitive sensibility, but the sudden shifts in texture, mood, these clashing elements, quiet, loud, pretty and ugly. That's exactly what that album cover is talking about. These contrasts coming together. How does this fit? Um, it's a perfect Perfectly realized, even though she probably wouldn't call it a concept album, it's a perfectly realized whole. The record makes sense, especially when you listen to it in its entirety. There's a few tracks that are softer and more melodic, but the stuff I'm drawn to is the ferocious head spinning stuff, you know? Here's a track from the Squeeze album, uh, my number two record of the year so far. It's called Say It from Sasami on Sound Opinions. That is say it from Sasami's Squeeze, my number two record of the year. You know, people say how do you how do you decide on what your top ten or whatever are going to be at any mm. particular point? And I go it's the stuff I'd listen to the most. Like, even when I don't have to listen to it, I'm listening to it because I liked it so much. <laughs> well, what
1: I kept flashing on uh, when I've listened to that record is uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest. Did you yeah. ever make the trek to yeah. e- Eagle's Ballroom? Right, yeah. Uh, you know, it's was like, like 50 death metal bands, yeah. uh, one after another. I can, I can see Sasami in the middle of one of those bills. Oh, and, and the metalhead's, like, embracing her. Just great, great stuff. And, Greg, talk about ferocity and uh, holding their own. Uh, young women doing that, 11 to 17 years old, mm. the members of the Linda Lindas of Asian American and Latinx descent. 2021, everybody had a love it who cared at all about rock and roll, punk rock, pop punk. Racist, sexist boy goes viral in the spring of last year on TikTok and all the online forums. Uh, these young women, these girls playing uh, at the Los Angeles Public Library. Mm -hmm. And Epitaph Records, one of the coolest indie records in America, signs them up, and I think there was a lot of skepticism. Is this going to be worth the full album? Oh, why, yes, it is. Hmm. Growing up, the actual debut by the Linda Lindas, ends with Racist Sexist Boy, nine songs before that, every single one of them, every bit as great. You know, if you are a father, if you are a partner, if you are a boyfriend who cares that your significant other is, you know, self-empowered and respecting herself. And we're recording this on a difficult day in American history, given the Supreme Court. You've got to applaud this incredible energy and power and melody and accomplishment. This is a great band. If I didn't tell you, if I was playing this for you for the first time, and I didn't tell you they were aged 11 to 17, it wouldn't even register. I mean, this band knows what it wants. It knows what it is. got to play Nino. One of my favorite tracks, right? Obviously, Racist Sexist Boys, an anthem for the ages. Uh, taking on all the boys who would minimize them throughout the album. And talking about, as, as the second song, the title track, Growing Up. Talking about the difficulties of growing up as a person of color, as a young woman, surrounded by a patriarchal society, even among 13-year-old boys. But I gotta play Nino. Because this is a great metaphorical song about a cat, right? <laughs> you think it's about a cat. But uh, I have a cat. His name is Nino. He's a savage cat, a killer of mice and rats. But I really think uh, the Linda Lindas are talking about a young woman, you know, and and with the attitude of a cat that it can purr and and snuggle up to you and then also strike out if you get on its bad side. Oh, Nino by the Linda Lindas. You know, Greg, I put that up there with a classic from two and a half decades ago now. Veruca Salt's Seether. Yeah.
0: Oh just great, great song. Well, and you know, the early stuff from the regrets or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's very much in that vein and you, you love to see it, you know, yeah. uh women picking up guitars in their teens and they feel empowered by it. That's an amazing thing to see happen. Speaking of empowered women, uh Sharon Van Etten, wow, I don't think she's ever made a bad record. I think no. they've all been good, but this is to We've my, been fans throughout my mind the, the masterpiece. This is a record I cannot stop listening to. It's just so powerful. It speaks to me on so many levels because I think it sort of summarizes what it's felt like to be on this planet, certainly in this country, for the last two and a half years uh, with the pandemic sort of hanging over us and everybody's mood altered by that and the events that have been happening in the country. You ain't kidding. Even d- people living together during this time feel isolated, alone, remote, cut off. Not enough people are really acknowledging that. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be alone to feel alone, you know? And and I think that's what this record is sort of talking about. That combined with the fact that as a singer... Sharon Van Etten continues to evolve in a way that's just staggering. I mean, the vocal performance on this record, I would almost say it's like a soul record. Mm. The way she's singing, the, the wrenching, pleading, staggering quality in her voice. You know, the fact that she's able to allow the cracks to show in a song like Darkness Fades, where you can hear. The emotion in her voice and like you know a producer might say oh let's redo that so you don't your voice doesn't crack and because she's self-directed too Mm -hmm, is like mm -hmm. I'm no I want that in there I want that to be part of this record so that veracity is always on you never sense that there's a dishonest note in this record at all it's very upfront very honest hard on sleeve I mean it's a cliche in, in a way but here this record really owns that well and Sharon is just so egoless you know, I am creating this masterpiece, and there's no attitude whatsoever. Yeah, I think the song is the guide. You know, I'm yeah. going to do what the song is telling me to do, and I'm not going to edit myself. I'm not going to filter it. I'm going to say it straight and direct. At the same time, this could have very easily been a melodramatic kind of record. It yeah. could have been sort of too over the top, but she pulls it in at the right moments. There's a lot of nuance in, the, in these performances, and that's what I'm really really impressed by. The variety of vocal approaches and the way she's able to take these songs and feel like she's living them as she's singing it is really impressive to me. Surrounded by arrangements that are really strong. I mean, there's everything from sort of an industrial strength quality of a song like Headspace to quieter stuff. And that juxtaposition of Headspace into Back. that to me is the single finest moment on any record that I've heard this year I mean mm. th- that's the moment that just kind of grabs me those so- two songs almost, your first drum they, set. Belong <laughs> okay, you know, right. they belong together okay you know they belong together the way she's sequenced the record and you don't talk about sequencing anymore right because who listens to albums front to back but well, we do yeah uh, and this record works as a, as an album in that sense it's talking about her life in a very vulnerable way and then the way the record is sequenced both not only lyrically but musically really connects I want to play a track from this amazing record. We've been going about this all wrong, is what it's called, my number one record of the year from Sharon Van Etten. And I wanna play the second half of that twofer, the headspace into Comeback. Here's Comeback from Sharon Van Etten on Sound Opinions. Come back from Sharon Van Etten, my number one record. We've been going about this all wrong, but this record is all right with me. I love that record
1: as well, Greg. Great stuff from Sharon Van Etten. And for my number one record, I have to start with a question for you: Is your muffin buttered?
0: <laughs> is it? You're supposed to say, "Excuse me." Yeah, well, I, exactly. <laughs> like if we, if we were the the, the, the two. Singers in wet leg, we would have that sort of dialogue. It's these two women are amazing and funny and at the same time subversive. Ryan Teasdale, Hester Chambers. What a
1: duo. They are on the Isle of Wight. It is the middle of the pandemic. They are indie rock veterans, you know, just about pushing 30 now. They've been around as artists and as young women, and they wanted to have fun right? And their definition of fun is uh, is fueled by indie rock heroes like Ty Siegel, right? And, uh, and also just classic pop by like Jane Birkin. All of this stuff went into the mixer, and they were devoted to trying to make each other laugh. June 2021, more than a year ago now, Chase Lounge. <laughs> They're single. Some people, ugly Americans would say Chase Lounge, right? All right. Takes the world by storm, the indie rock world, anyway. It's funny, it's melodic. What else did they have in them? Well, they had an entire album self titled Wet Leg, beginning to end brilliant in jokes that never are so in that we can't get into them as well, mm-hmm. right? They are disdainful of young men who do not respect them. They have that in common with the Linda Lindas, and they like to uh, have a laugh at their expense. I think of this song, Your (laughs) Mum, You Are Mum, and many borderline racy, you know, I think about you and I feel sorry for your mum. You know, what right do you have to think about me as you touch yourself? All these lines, one after another after another, none of which would mean anything if the guitar playing wasn't so great the melody so strong, the force of the rhythm so undeniable. Uh, you know, they said they wanted to split the difference between Idols and that fantastic uh, Megan the Stallion, Cardi B, Immortal single, WAP. And, <laughs> and they did! They did it! They did it! Uh, making jokes about buttering muffins along the way. We played a bunch of songs when we reviewed it. At that point, I pulled a cot, and it was April, and I said, you know, I don't think there's going to be a better record this year. I've yet to hear a better one. I'm hearing a lot of great records. If there is a better record than Wet Leg in 2022, for the second half of this year, then it's going to be It'll great, be great year, yeah, great year. year. Yeah. Let me play another song by Wet Leg. This is I don't want to go out. You know those nights where you want to have fun, <laughs> you're bored, silly, but you, you have to talk yourself into going out. And and especially you know the irony of two years plus of pandemic is I, I wasn't able to go out anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, didn't, I mean maybe I wanted to go out, but I don't want to go out. Here's Wet Leg. Wet leg. I don't want to go out. You have it at uh, number four on your list. How could you not?
0: Well... You know, I got to say, this is the only record on our top 10s that's an overlap. Is so that true? I, I would say, I think so, right? Am I right, Alex? I thought you loved the Mitski record. Yeah, I love the Mitski, but it's but it not in my top, top 10. 10. Wow. It's
1: probably in my top 12, you know? Uh, Sharon Van Etten must be like at number 11 for yeah, me. Yeah, right. Because I love it. But see, we're going to juggle these lists as the year goes on. Sure. And then, you know, we go back to these records, we play them again, and sometimes they don't hold up as well, and sometimes they take on extra
0: added power. Yeah, well, it's good to have too many choices that's the way i look at it you know it is we're Uh, we're doing uh, uh, one thing right in this world and that's making (laughs) music that's
1: really good some people not us we don't make music ourselves but that wraps up our best albums of 2022 so far and now as always we want to hear from you leave a message on our website a voicemail we got a nifty new widget working just great (laughs) soundopinions.org tell us your album of the year so
0: far and why Meanwhile, Mr. Cott, what's on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we've got an interview with music supervisor for TV and film Susan Jacobs and the story of one Malcolm McLaren, the impresario. And don't forget to check out our bonus podcast feed for a new addition to the Desert Island Jukebox. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions
1: and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Thanks, as always, to our Patreon supporters. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, and our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott.